Hello, my name is Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Will Sloan. And you're listening to the Important Cinema Club. And today we're talking about Jerry Lewis. And I have across from me one of the Jerry Lewis experts in the whole known <laughs> world. And so this is really important. I can ask him a question that's been bugging me my entire life. Is Jerry Lewis funny? There are no easy answers to that question. Uh, th- that's a question that I think has been like plaguing us Jerry experts for for years. Uh, and one of the one of the things about Jerry's scholarship that draws us to it, I think, is trying to get to the bottom of that question. And so we're mostly going to be discussing Jerry Lewis's films that he made in very close proximity to each other. Cracking Up, also known as Smorgasbord, that came out in 1983. Great movie. The last (laughs) film that Jerry Lewis directed and starred in. Yep, that's right. Went out with a bang. He did did direct a short film after that later, a a short UNICEF film called, uh, called Boy. I encourage you to look it up if you're a Jerry completist. And he... We're also going to be talking about King of Comedy, which is probably Jerry Lewis's most well-rounded performance. Yeah, I mean, it's no cracking up, but it's but it's okay. <laughs> so, Will Sloan, other than being a Jerry Lewis expert, and now I can say that Will Sloan is obsessed with Jerry Lewis. Because I was at his apartment recently, and I picked up an old issue of Puzzy Tiff, probably around the early 80s, late 70s. And it was in French, and I went, Will, you can't read French. Why do you have this? And he said, what did you say? I think I said, I know, but I like, I like to know it's there, and that if I learned French, I could. But why did you have that particular issue? Uh, well, you see, I don't know which issue you're talking about right now, because I have like maybe four or five. But they all have different... Jerry Lewis articles. Yeah, like I, I'm collecting them, and I have them on, on my table, and I know that they're there. And one of them, one of them is which way to the front is on the cover, and that just tickled me to no end. Which is one of Jerry Lewis's final pictures. Yeah, one of his later, and not one of his most beloved films. Uh, and it just tickled me to no end that the French took it so seriously. They put it on the cover of Positif. There's another one that has cracking up on the cover. So it's like these magazines are holding treasure, and the key will be learning the French language. Yeah, and that once you get that key, you'll be able to find these well, riches. I might also like. Eventually, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna be so curious. It's gonna drive me so nuts. I'm just gonna sit down and I'm gonna write them, and then I'll feed them into Google Translate, and then I think I'll through that, and maybe through a French English dictionary, I'll be able to piece together what they're saying. So, what would be your first experience with Jerry Lewis? Now, if someone's listening to this and they don't know who Jerry Lewis is, why did you click on this podcast? <laughs> Unless you're my mom. How, how does nobody know who Jerry Lewis is? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question because when you ask someone these days, and you're like. Who, if you ask a 12-year-old, who is Jerry Lewis? Do you think they would give you any answer? I think they might say, oh, cracking up. I love I love that movie. I, <laughs> so, no, they we, would not we, answer. We, wa- we watch that. I have my friends over, and we have a, a sleepover party, and uh, we watch Which Way to the Front, I think they would tell you. <laughs> so what was the first movie that you saw that starred Jerry Lewis? Uh, I believe it was The Caddy, which was uh, one, of, one of the several... Or many, I don't know. One of however many movies he made with Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that every blockbuster in the country actually had a copy of The Caddy because Paramount put it on out on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I saw The Caddy, I don't know, 500 times. So it was like the go-to VHS that you went to over and over again? Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, you know, I loved... I loved Jim Carrey. I loved mm-hmm. Jim Varney. I loved any comedian who was sort of wacky and mm-hmm. made funny faces. So it wasn't your parents that pushed you in that direction. It was more. I like... suspect that my parents might have mm. might have suggested it to me. I think my parents wanted me to like have some tolerance for the classics or black and white stuff. Which is funny because I believe you told me before that your mom has no love for Jerry Lewis at all. Well, yeah, I, well, I mean, I'm not. Listen, I can't tell you why they got me to rent the caddy i know that i did drag my mom to see when i was eight or nine we went to see damn yankees which jerry lewis was co-starring that's right he was on the he started it on broadway and then he did the roadshow tour and i dragged my mom to see it uh one of the great nights of my life (laughs) and she was converted after that she said she hated jerry lewis for her whole life but after that night there was this whole weird interlude where he just sort of did a stand-up routine halfway through the show, um, kind of unprompted. And uh, he kept saying jokes like, uh, did you hear the one about the nearsighted vampire who bit Dolly Parton in the neck? Huge. You had to have been there. Huge laughs. Uh, And mom came out of it saying, oh, yeah, he's a real like he's a real old pro, a real she she appreciated his yeah. professionalism. Yeah, exactly. And that's a funny thing because King of Comedy is kind of all about that as far as Jerry Lewis as an entertainment figure because, 
you know, I'll be the first one to say that he's not funny in that movie and he's never trying to be funny in that movie. Uh, he's sort of funny on that one part when he strangles Robert De Niro. You remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, like, there's no, like, big gag moments, which no. for people that know Jerry it's, Lewis, He's also funny when he says, so did Hitler. <laughs> Um, Which he apparently improvised. <laughs> so, King Comedy, for people that don't know, is a film about... is directed by Martin Scorsese, stars Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro is a kind of delusional comedian who mm. idolizes... Wannabe comedian. Wannabe yeah. comedian, yeah. Because he's not even a comedian. Yeah. Who idolizes a talk show host played by Jerry Lewis, who is also named... Uh, Jerry Langford. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you a clever that... bit of casting. <laughs> I think they had the name first, and they're like, we need some kind of Jerry Lewis figure for this. I wouldn't be surprised. They offered it to Johnny Carson first. So oh, maybe did it, they? So maybe it was Johnny Langford at one point. <laughs> and Jerry Lewis is so controlled in this role, which is probably the most surprising thing. Because you, what, like his personality, I'm currently reading one of his biographies uh, written by Sean Levy. It's called The King of Comedy, uh-huh. um, coincidentally. Uh, not coincidentally, probably on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, great book and it's really great but you get a sense that jerry lewis as a person was not easy to deal with as far as ego and attention seeking went right like him as a personality like you've you've read about him more than i did like mm-hmm. he was almost like obsessive in his need for people to pay attention to him wasn't he yeah i mean uh, the the sense that i get is that you know he was uh he had vaudevillian parents including <laughs> a guy his father danny lewis who was sort of a sort of a poor man's Al Jolson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were always on the road all the time. And Danny Lewis always seemed sort of like condescending to, mm-hmm. to his son. Uh, Especially, and they would like abandon him and like yeah. leave him with like his grandmother and go off on the road. And it's interesting because not only did he want the attention from his parents, but when Jerry Lewis himself got famous, like his parents wanted his attention and they wanted to ride off his coattails, but they were still really cold to him in the way that they treated him. Right. Even though he was like maybe the most famous man in America at one point. Which is almost insane is that, like I mentioned that question before, that like you could ask a 12-year-old, like, do you know who Jerry Lewis is? Well, in the 1960s, like, everyone knew who Jerry Lewis was. Yeah. What does that appeal, do you think? Like, what, like, made Jerry Lewis so popular? Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like armchair psychologist here. <laughs> That's what we're here. We have a podcast. I mean, I mean, this sounds like so hack when people say, well, it was the 50s and it was after the Second World War and America just needed to laugh. <laughs> you know, uh, he was, you know, he was just taking a needle and he was blowing that balloon. That, that that's was. right. That's right. You know, 50s culture was so conformist, right? <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. And along came this guy. <laughs> this an anarchic spirit that was just smashing all the rules but i mean really there had never been a comedian like jerry lewis mm-hmm. someone who was that out there i mean yeah. it was like you know lou costello or something but well, did you, did you find because like watching a bunch of his movies for this podcast and i gotta be completely honest that i don't think i saw a jerry lewis film till i got into like university yeah. And when I was reading lists of like, these are movies that you should see. So I watched like Nutty Professor and Ladies Man. And you loved them. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Lewis is a filmmaker or something we should get into a little bit later. You laughed your ass off. <laughs> you were like, Jerry is so funny. You know what? I have to admit that even watching movies, uh, like, even cracking up, the movie that yeah. his last film did bring some laughs to, you know. Yeah, mostly of like the kind of unintentional <laughs> or the. <laughs> no. Well, Jerry. There, there, there were several laughs in, in Cracking Up for sure. Uh, Jerry Lewis, uh, it's weird because his comedy is not a very precise one in a lot of his slapstick. It's a very chaotic one. But then at times it is very precise. It is very precise because uh, reading that biography, one of his. For years, his early gig was doing pantomimes or lip syncing to records. Mm -hmm. So there's a precision that needs to be there. Mm -hmm. While later on, his physical act would be like, knock everything over in the room. Yeah, and like there's there's a great scene in The Patsy when he keeps knocking over vases and he keeps like catching them just as they're about to hit the floor. Oh, a real Jackie Chan movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or, or, you know, just some of the things like the the typewriter bit that Mm -hmm. are sort of like... That he was famous for, which is that he would be listening to a typewriter and he would be miming it at the same time that it was happening. Yeah, where it's sort of, it's like, it's like beautiful Mm -hmm. in a way. It's almost like a ballet performance. Or Cracking Up has one of my favorite scenes in any movie, which is the opening credits Mm -hmm. where he keeps pratfalling over and over again in the office because the floor is so... Slippery. uh, Yeah. So we could also talk about Cracking Up. So the plot of Cracking Up is... (laughs) uh, (laughs) Is Jerry Lewis, who looks so old... (laughs) <laughs> like it's kind of actually he probably and looks, he certainly doesn't hide it because he's wearing like the, these like weird suits with like with like you know 
polished loafers and sweater vests. And... Well, Jerry Lewis always prided himself on being very well dressed. Yeah. You think it's weird that we always say Jerry Lewis? It's very rare that anyone would says Jerry. I, I say Jerry all the time because I feel so close to him. <laughs> uh, but cracking up, he plays a man who's feeling suicidal. So he goes and sees a psychiatrist to try to deal with his feelings. And a bunch of skits uh, show up. Some skits follow each other. Some skits come out of nowhere. Like there's one point where he talks about his French ancestors. And then all of a sudden it's, what is it, 15th century France. Yeah. And, and that leads to a lot of great scenes of Jerry like speaking in his fake French voice. Uh, you have to remember that when Will says "great," he usually means "not good." Uh, I don't. I know. I didn't. I didn't say that. Uh, uh, and this is a good point. A good time to bring up the fact that Jerry Lewis, which has become a running joke in like cinema circles, was huge in France. Yeah, he actually was. That's not. I mean, he probably isn't anymore. No. Uh, I unless you know they've re-released Cracking Up <laughs> recently. But Cracking Up when it opened in France wasn't it number it was, one? It was actually a success. In, yeah. Uh, as were most of his movies even yeah even these dregs these late period ones and you know all the french critics really did love him cracking up had actually a really weird past to release because it was made and then he screened it for the studio and the studio went we're not releasing this yeah they test they tested it yeah and for some reason audiences <laughs> were not into this movie even though just a few years before audiences had briefly made hardly working an inferior film, I would say, the number one movie at the box office. I, that's almost unbelievable. Like if you, and if you watch Hardly Working, it's like, how did, was this number one at the box <laughs> like, office? Like, was it just the dregs that week? Like, uh, there was nothing playing? I don't know. Or maybe America was just still filled with people like me, just <laughs> just Jer- Jerry fans who were waiting 10 years for, for the next Jerry movie. But Jerry Lewis went on to act in a bunch of stuff later on, but back to King of Comedy, which he somehow made the same year as Cracking Up. Which yeah. is almost... Even though they seem they were filmed in separate universes. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking Up looks like it was shot in the 60s. Yes. Like the film stock and the way it's filmed on these cheap sets. Like The, the acting style. Yeah. Uh, Milton Berle shows up dressed as a woman. Uh, hilarious. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. is in it. Uh, Playing Sammy Davis yes, Jr. Yes, that's right. And, and you, you can tell that his scene was filmed like completely at a different time as the rest of the scene because it's just this weird close-up and the background is different <laughs> it's like they caught sammy davis coming out of a um apartment building somewhere and like hey sammy and they just put cameras there's on a him. great blooper in the end credits when uh he picks sammy davis jr up and he says thanks to the naacp for my lifetime achievement award oh boy good stuff so do you think jerry lewis's material has aged well <laughs> you know it's kind of like hard for me to even to even know what it was like at the time like, like it must have felt so fresh compared to i guess i know that there were a lot of critics obviously in the 60s after he like even in the 60s the french love of jerry lewis was like a massive joke so he was already a bone of contention at the time i assume it's uh aged somewhat <laughs> <laughs> well when did the street stooges come out they were like the 30s to the 50s so but jerry lewis was just doing stuff that the three stooges did but like, they were doing slapstick, right? Yeah. But how was it different from what they did? I think it was just uh, the level of energy that he brought like to the, it. Like, the more of the anarchy that was brought to the stage? Yeah, and I mean, if you the best way to get a sense of what Jerry Lewis might have been like at the time is to watch him and Dean Martin host, host the Colgate Comedy Hour, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a variety show in the 50s, sort of like Saturday Night Live, where they were alternating hosts of the show with, like, I think Bob Hope and uh, mm. Abbott and Costello. And and you can kind of get a sense of what they were like in a live setting at the time, just constantly breaking the fourth wall. And But do you think that Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, like the only way they could have been successful was coming up together where they had that interplay between both of them? I think so, yeah. So Jerry Lewis could not have existed by himself and become a success by himself. He always needed Dean Martin to create that attention before he could move on to something else. I think it probably like... Dean Martin probably helped audiences get used to the idea of Jerry Mm -hmm. Lewis. And, you know, the fact that after Dean Martin left, even though Jerry Lewis remained successful for a long time, his critical stock Mm -hmm. really plummeted, I think, because there's something about Jerry Lewis that's so embarrassing for people who watch him. I mean... Uh, you know, there's nothing cool about Jerry Lewis. Like he, he really is, his stuff really is unpleasant to watch at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's like, and having and having Dean Martin there makes it easier to take, especially when he's like bouncing off Dean Martin. Yeah, and Dean Martin can always kind of rein him in, mm-hmm. you know, when need be, which Jerry certainly could not do. <laughs> no, Jerry, uh, especially in Cracking Up, because while I gave you a kind of idea of the plot of Cracking Up, it just kind of there is no plot into yeah. anarchy. At one point, we were watching and we were like, there was no joke in that scene, and then it just <laughs> cut to something else. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's great about Jerry. He's he's constantly causing you to redefine your notions of like what is a joke, <laughs> what is cinema. Like there's a great there's a great scene. I keep saying that over and over again. It's a great scene, but this really is a great scene, guys. Every scene in this movie is great. It's not great. I'm a dog. Yeah, if you're a Jerry fan, you you have to be dogmatic at some point. <laughs> And you it's just, like you're you writing for Cade Cinema or something like that. <laughs> like you really, take a stand. You've got to you love get... Jerry unconditionally if you're going to love him at all. But there's a scene in the movie when Jerry, for some reason, is a, at a diner and there's a waitress there and she's like, uh, what do you want for to drink? Do you want coffee? Do you want espresso? Do you want cappuccino? Do you want... And she lists like 20 options and he chooses one. And then she says, okay, if you have main course, do you want eggs, eggs Benedict, eggs... You know. Time itself is the joke. Yeah, and there's no punchline to the scene. It just just kind of draws out. But having just watched a few Jerry Lewis movies, that happens all the time. Like, yeah. it happens in Cinderella, where he has to go from one end of the table to the next over and over again. Or in The Errand Boy, he has to go get candy and go up and like And it a drives seat. you nuts. Like, <laughs> it, it's, like, painful to watch after a while. Uh, I mean... Part of me thinks that Jerry must know what he's doing Mm -hmm. with that because, you know, a man who has devoted his life to comedy (laughs) (laughs) has to have an idea that like laughs must be generated from that. Yeah. And like with with that, with that scene cracking up with the scene where he's getting the candy and the errand boy, it's like he knows that like within five seconds, we already know what the joke is. He's beating it and beating it and beating it. (laughs) But it's the classic Simpsons and the rape gag. Like if you do it a bunch of times, it's not funny, but then it becomes funny and then not funny. And then it becomes funny again. And that's what's great about Jerry because like for the whole thing, you're not laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So he really broke new ground. (laughs) But in the King of Comedy, that's all that it's about. Like the King of Comedy is ostensibly a comedy. Like it is funny. But it's that uncomfortable kind of fun. Yeah, like like Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais and stuff like that. Yeah. Because Robert De Niro, as a comedian himself in the movie, I remember The Dissolve recently did a week of talking about the game comedy, and there was a whole forum about, is uh, Rupert Pumpkin, uh, Robert De Niro's character, funny in the film? Yeah. And my question is, is like, does it matter? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think his stand-up thing at the end, the way they do it is just so brilliant. The fact that he is like just funny enough to to he's, pass he's okay like he's yeah. not embarrassingly bad yeah he the jokes control. are sort of hacky yeah but but uh yeah but they're they're jokes and they have beginning middle end and they have, mm-hmm. they have punch lines yeah. uh and his delivery like he's mastered the cadence of a stand-up act but it's just a little bit it's like he's never done it in front of an audience before so it seems a little bit T- a little bit too rehearsed mm-hmm. um but jerry in the movie of king of comedy he he never really gets a moment where he gets he goes for those laughs mm-hmm. like he does in his other films if you check the dvd there is a deleted scene that's jerry langford doing a monologue on his show and it's wisely deleted because it is really not funny oh really <laughs> yeah uh i in fact i would put it up against uh pupkin's monologue and as being as being like you know you could put them neck and neck and try maybe to... that's why it was in the movie that when pumpkin's monologue appeared uh, compared pu- to jerry pu- pupkin 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 you're like the people in the movie who mispronounce it <laughs> yeah. over and over again oh that's the gag i'm doing a little bit here oh, that's sh- what you have to go with sure i'll be calling him rupert for the time <laughs> being um but Jerry Lewis, like, when I was watching it, I was just shocked even re-watching it for this. How restrained he is. Like, yeah. the entire film is that he's not doing his character, he's not doing the voice or being the kid at all. He's so opaque, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about him that, uh, you know, anytime that he's not on stage or he's not on in a way. Like, when he's walking down the street and talking to cabbies and stuff, he's kind of on. But when he's not on and you know when rupert and sandra bernard have kidnapped him he feels it's like it's almost as if he's saying you have no right to to get any of me yeah it's like these people are beneath me yeah so i'm not going to give them anything yeah and that is such an interesting 
uh, way to approach that character because you would have think knowing Jerry Lewis he would have gone for like the meaty thing yeah like the thing that he could really sink his teeth into and because it's so opaque that doesn't really exist in the movie like there's never that big moment where he gets to deliver like well a huge monologue well there is the monologue that he delivers you know when you when you're doing a show like mine yeah you're under a lot of pressure yeah. and the incompetence yeah but it's not like a big like showstopper, really. Right. And supposedly he imp- improvised that monologue, which I believe because his use of the word incompetence. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, you know the incompetence. You, you'll never know if you're there. To, I can't do the bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jerry Lewis was known as not only a workaholic, but kind of like an evil taskmaster when yeah. it came to. Yeah. Which it seems almost ridiculous because of the bits that he would construct that there would need to be so much energy and precision that comes to them because jerry lewis wrote a book about filmmaking called the total filmmaker he taught classes in universities about filmmaking yeah there are some clips online of him teaching those classes uh if you can find them yeah which is i don't know yeah compared to like the work that he put out to his ego and how he perceived himself (laughs) he always famously dare you (laughs) he always famously said that he wanted to really adapt catcher in the rye well, there was the famous interview that he did with uh, Peter Bogdanovich where he said, you'll never see a more Holden Caulfield kind of guy than this guy sitting right across from me. <laughs> <laughs> They're all phonies, all of them. And he wanted to play Holden Caulfield even though he was even like in it. his 30s at the time. <laughs> I think that Jerry Lewis could have pulled it off. I would give anything to so see. like go to an alternate yeah. dimension where he made The Catcher in the Rye in 30s. Yeah. That would be like he contacts J.D. Salinger and he's like, J.D. Salinger is just like, I've been waiting for this call. <laughs> There's only one man who can play Heidi Gottfield, yeah. and that's Jerry Lewis. But listen, I could talk all day about Jerry. What I really want to know is hear what you think about him. About Cracking Up? Yeah, about Cracking Up. Well, crack- You loved it. <laughs> cracking Up was a film that Will said like, oh, I want to do a podcast. And because I knew uh, Will's love for Jerry Lewis, I was like, what movie do you want to do it on? And Will was like, oh, we need to do it on Cracking Up. I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's Jerry Lewis's last movie. Then he started doing Jerry Lewis's voices. And then we watched it. And There's a bit of revisionist history in that account, but go go ahead. (laughs) I was like, what is this movie? I actually compared it to uh, Finnegan's Wake, James Joyce's classic. And is is Finnegan's Wake a classic? Does Uh, anyone read it? I mean, I think people have read it. I I trust people when they say it's a classic, yeah. And because it's almost incomprehensible. And Inland Empire, David Lynch's... I think that was his last movie that he made, wasn't it? He hasn't done one in eight Last feature-length film, at least, yeah. Um, Mostly because Cracking Up is just all over the place. Mm. Their skits don't really have connective tissues. Suddenly we'll cut to this or that. And I'm like, what is going on? But that's what's interesting about the movie is... Jerry, in his self-directed work, had been kind of exploring this aesthetic, let's mm-hmm. call it, of kind of a free association, you know, uh, a thin clothesline of a plot that just goes into a bunch of Like, he directions. shows up with a bunch of characters, he plays yeah. like a gangster, he plays... Co- constantly, like, uh, playing with the reality of the movie. <laughs> Whoa, uh, a Cade <laughs> cinema writer just walked into the room and was trying to explain <laughs> Jerry Lewis right now. I'm not saying it's good, I'm saying it's, it's what it does. <laughs> but, and I do like the kind of style that Jerry Lewis brings to his movies, which are really like over the top and in your face. Basically like a mad magazine yeah. version of comedy. There's no kind of internal logic there, no. which is probably like to their fault, mm-hmm. depending on how you view it. I mean, it's also one of the things that makes him interesting. The fact that he's so kind of not bound by, by anything. And what would you, th- if someone said like, I don't know who Jerry Lewis is. He's some com- comedian. Like, isn't he parodied on the Simpsons? Sure. Purest fantasy. Everyone loves Jerry, but, but go ahead. <laughs> he's the biggest, he's bigger than he's ever been. <laughs> um, one of the most surprising things before you answer the question of what you would recommend is how is Jerry Lewis still alive? Uh, I know, probably eats well. Uh, <laughs> His I, hate and spite keeps I, him alive. I'm kind of hoping he never dies. I want this to... <laughs> Would you rather, like, Jerry Lewis at your funeral is like, you know, they used to say that the heroes died before their fans, but now the fans have died before their heroes. I mean... If Jerry Lewis is at my funeral, I'd be honored. I don't know why he would come. <laughs> you heard this podcast. <laughs> Finally, someone gets me. <laughs> do you see that? I mean, like, who's talking about Jerry Lewis now? Do you think he types into, like, Google? He has, like, a Google alert? I guarantee phone? he has. Well, actually, I don't think he does because there was a long time ago when I tried to interview Jerry Lewis. Oh, uh, really? For, for NPR, in fact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ooh, NPR. Yeah, I know, right? 
Um, Wait, what was the, 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 the reason for this? He had a PBS special at the mm. time, like a, an evening with Jerry Lewis or something, and that was going to be my excuse. And his office didn't have an email address. I, I had to phone it, and and the secretary there gave me a fax number that I was to fax an interview request to. And so this, you couldn't even talk to him directly. Yeah, and the interview never happened, unfortunately. Um, but now that he's heard so, this podcast. Well, the thing is, he might not hear this podcast because I'm not confident he has the internet. <laughs> Or a computer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that he is like a, in real life as a pack rat who like keeps all of his media clippings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd think that he would go out and get the stuff like on the internet. I would think he would have an email address, but maybe not. Because like one of the most, you know, last big articles written about Jerry Lewis was a Vice article that had the very inflammatory title of, I think is like Jerry Lewis is still a piece of shit. Yeah. And treats his audience like crap. Yeah. So, something like that, <laughs> which and, is at the top of the Google search. If you, if you Google him. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, it's on the first page at least. Because like, I mean, not only is Jerry Lewis still alive, he's still doing live shows. Yes. Uh, and you know, obviously he's not doing pratfalls like he used to. He kind of comes out and sits on a chair and he'll show like comedy bits. And then there'll be a long Q and a, where people ask him questions and he sort of, yeah, insults them. <laughs> That's probably the saddest thing that I've ever had. You, have you been to any of those? Uh, a few years ago, I went to his like 86th or 87th birthday event. In, birthday event? At the, at the Friars Club in New York. It was at the 92nd Street Y. He did an interview on stage with uh, Richard Belzer. R. Jerry Lewis. Uh, I don't know who that is. And uh, uh, Don't you mean Joe Piscopo? Well, Joe Piscopo was in the audience, <laughs> which I was starstruck. You have no idea how excited I was to see Joe Piscopo. <laughs> uh, if anybody doesn't know who Joe Piscopo is, he's a famous... Uh, Everyone knows who Joe Piscopo is. <laughs> star of Dead Heat. Dead Heat, great movie. It's still cracking up. But... <laughs> But anyway, so you went to the show. Uh, yeah, and there was there was a huge, uh, there was a long Q&A at the end, and it was really funny. I do remember that one person brought up the, the movie Slapstick of Another Kind, mm-hmm. and uh, Jerry said, I always get a bit embarrassed when that movie that was mentioned comes up, because, uh, and he went off on a whole thing, and I felt really sad, because I love Slapstick of Another Kind. Do you kind. like Slapstick? No, I mean, it's awful. It's one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made. So if I was a Jerry Lewis, you know, novice. And I don't know where I would have heard of him or why I'd be interested in Probably his from film. all the billboards that his face is on now. Yeah. So, like, I'm... For example, I'm your mother. We just got out of Damn Yankees. And I'm like, well, i like to see some more Jerry Lewis movies. Is your mother going to listen to My mother to is, like, 90 years old, evidently. Well, first of all, to my mom, I would say don't watch any more Jerry Lewis. Cash your chips now. It's never going to get any better from here. But after that, you see, I think The Nutty Professor mm-hmm. uh, probably gets like kind of the sweet spot between the the weird um, uh, self-aggrandizing slash self-loathing Jerry mm. uh, of his kind of freeform movies and the kind of professionalism of his Frank Tashlin movies. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know, Frank Tashlin is probably the ultimate uh, Jerry director, du- director of Jerry other than Jerry himself. Yeah, he started out doing Looney Tunes cartoons and then he became sort of a a, a director who the French critics like. <laughs> uh, and among other things, he directed Cinderella, Who's Winding the Store. Lots of mm-hmm. great movies. Uh, probably the most famous one is Artisan Models, which yes. is a Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis picture. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you say? So, Nutty Professor, why do you think that one it hits that sweet spot for you? I think it has most of the things that I like in Jerry Lewis, which is the the extreme performances, the kind of weird uh, psychodrama that's playing because uh, Jerry plays a dual role in the movie of the nerdy Professor Kelp and his alter ego, the slick, some say Dean Martin-ish, Buddy Love. Uh, And you can really see, like, it's kind of the same psychodrama that plays out on the telethon every year. Or... I've never watched any of the telethon. What do you well, mean? Like, well, it's like on the telethon, he's kind of like the same slick, unctuous character that he plays in the nutty professor. But at the same time, he's Jerry Lewis. So he can't help but be kind of a goof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like trying to be cool, but he can't yeah. help himself to get kind of goofy and break that mold. Yeah. And you know, so much of, so many of Jerry Lewis's movies are about this conflict that I assume is semi-autobiographical, which is, 
wanting to be loved by other people and also wanting to love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't know how to express himself other than being that goofball or like that kid. Yeah. And maybe he spent so many years being the goofball that he felt the need to overcompensate in some of his public appearances by being kind of, you know, kind of the intellectual. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that creates a kind of distance from the character that he plays in his movies or what do you think is the real Jerry Lewis? Is there a real Jerry Lewis anymore? Or is that gone to, I think like, we to all the have real to, Jackie Chan? We all have to look into our own hearts to find the real Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I don't think it's for me to say what the real Jerry Lewis is. Well, if Jerry Lewis is listening right now. Write in and tell us, who are you, sir? What is the real What would you do if you got a phone call, like, tomorrow from Jerry Lewis being like, well... I heard your podcast. I, I would first of all say, I love you. <laughs> I can't believe I'm t- you're talking to me right now. This is such an honor. Uh, or he I'm, shows up at your door. If he shows up at my door, oh my God. <laughs> would I, you have like a heart attack? I would invite him in. I would offer him coffee. He's like a vampire. I would, show, I would show him the which way to the front poster <laughs> that's above my bed. What if he was like, I want you to burn that picture. Uh, then I I would. <laughs> he's like, I want you to kill a man. I would, do, I, I would. I would do whatever he told me to do. Because he's like, I mean, we can't talk about Jerry Lewis without bringing, he's like, I got a little something to show you here. And he has like a VHS of the day the clown cried. Oh my God. I'd be, I'd be in heaven. <laughs> a private screening at my apartment with Jerry Lewis of the day the clown cried. But what, but what if when you're watching it, like he won't stop the shtick. Like he's like, <laughs> hey ladies. That even better. <laughs> and you're like, I'm trying to watch the movie. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not one to second guess Jerry. What? <laughs> What do you think is this fantasy that has kind of built up around The Day the Clown Cried? For people who don't know, The Day the Clown Cried is a movie that Jerry Lewis made, which is about him being a clown <laughs> um, during the Holocaust. And, and he, like, leads children into the... Gas chamber. Yeah. But, like, there's a mystique that's grown around it. When people talk about films that, like, haven't been seen or have been locked away, people always talk about The Day the Clown Cried. Which seems a little bit nuts to me because there's a million Jerry Lewis movies out there that people aren't watching. I mean, this one has a pretty out there premise. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they started filming The Day the Clown Cried uh, when they didn't actually even have the rights to the script. So one of the reasons it never came out was the screenwriter saw the movie and was like, no way, this is this is a disaster. Uh, because Jerry kind of changed it to being, well, allegedly changed it to being less less kind of the dark drama that it used to be and more of a kind of Chaplin-esque uh, <laughs> thing about a sad clown who redeems himself, I guess. I don't know. At the end, by feel ki- free, Jerry, feel free to write in. and <laughs> By killing the kids with laughter. I, if I could have seen this movie to research, I would have. Um, and yeah, it just seems like sort of the ultimate the ultimate manifestation of what we saw in the telethon every year, which was like Jerry as martyr. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we used to host a telethon all the way through, didn't he? Yeah. I, until the later years when he and got, how long was the telethon in its prime? It was like 21, 22 hours. So yeah. how would we look at the end? I've never seen these telethon clips. I, well, you know, there are famous moments halfway through the night when he would like be addicted to Percocet and he would say like, <laughs> weird things like, really? like there's this amazing clip online where he's like i want to i want to send a message to all you pushers out there who are making money on drugs anyway wouldn't you like to give some of it to a worthy cause <laughs> if i can get a kid out of a wheelchair i don't care where i get the money <laughs> and this these are like you know sleep deprived <laughs> things um but off of Jerry Lewis, which he's amazing, as we've talked about, uh, on to Martin Scorsese. It's who Not directed a fan. King of Comedy. <laughs> um, King of Comedy is almost a weird like entry in his filmography. Because stylistically, it's a little bit difficult to place, don't you think? Yeah, it's it has less, you know, moving camera. It's it's a very static looking film. I remember reading online that he said he was inspired by like silent films. 
when he was making the movie. Oh, and I don't, interesting. I, I, I don't see it at all. Like, I was looking for that when I was watching the film. Because there's a little bit of his style, whether it be in the editing or, like, a little camera move here or there. But it's just very confined. I sensed also kind of an inspiration from network television of the time. Oh, really? Well, I sense it just because mm-hmm. that's the milieu the movie takes place in. Also, because the movie has such a kind of dry sense of humor... It makes sense that the style is understated. Because of that. And supposedly Scorsese was very sick when he was making the movie. Uh-huh. That he just got off Raging Bull and he was super exhausted. I feel like he was probably still in his coke days. Because after this, after King Comedy, he went into After Hours, which is probably the most energetic film. I think he, he might have actually recovered either before or after Raging Bull oh, really? from his drug addiction. I don't know. That's right, because he was in the if hospital. If Martin Scorsese is listening to this, please feel free to write him. <laughs> because he was in the hospital. Yeah. And De Niro brought him the, the novelization for Raging Bull. Yeah. And he was like, please, I want you to adapt this. As opposed to bringing him like the novelization of jerry lewis's life and he yeah. was like please adapt this but jerry lewis's life has been adapted in tv film form hasn't it oh well yeah 10 years ago there was the martin and lewis tv movie starring sean hayes as jerry lewis and another guy as dean martin <laughs> and how did it um you know in your estimation live up to the story well i haven't seen it since it aired <laughs> uh, i remember finding it perfectly watchable <laughs> i have never for for a tv movie about martin and lewis starring sean hayes it it uh, really hit the right notes. Uh, Do you think there's a story in Jerry Lewis's life that you feel could be told? Because, like, the thing about biopics is no one wants to see someone's entire life. That just cannot be mm. summed up in one film. But if you're going to pick, like, one moment in his life to adapt for film, what do you think is the most interesting? I think I might pick the making of Cracking Up because I would love <laughs> to see that dramatized. I would love to see, like, the behind-the-scenes discussion uh, during all the choices that were made <laughs> in that film. I, I would like to see, like, whoever's playing Jerry Lewis to, like, reenact him, like, high-fiving everyone <laughs> on the set after a particularly funny joke. Sitting on the crane and, like... Talking to the bullhorn. Yeah, like as we see in the end credits. <laughs> yeah, it was a real, in the end credits of Cracking Up, there's a real Jackie Chan style bloopers. Yeah, yeah. Because if anyone Jackie Chan was really inspired by was Jerry Lewis. Uh, sure. I don't think he's ever said that uh, in his well, entire career. Well I, well, I think Jerry's influence touches everyone, <laughs> kind of in the, in the way that a star does. <laughs> Uh, but I think it, if I were making a movie out of Jerry Lewis's life, I'd be, I think The Day the Clown Cried could potentially be interesting because he was sort of at the height of his drug addiction at the time. Oh, was well. he? What was he addicted to? Per- I didn't... Per- Percocets. Percocets? Yeah, oh. uh, for his bad back. Um, well, that's right, because didn't he hurt his back in like yeah. 1965 or something like that? Somewhere he took a that. fall on live TV, I believe. Mm-hmm. And ever since, I thought it was going to be some like exciting drug, like crack cocaine no, or something like I'm that. Sorry. The goofiest of all drugs. I mean, the sad thing about The Day of the Clown Cry is it doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you could have like a flash forward. Who would play? A flash forward to like hardly working opening and he's back on top. <laughs> Number one at the backstop. <laughs> like Tim Burton makes like the Jerry Lewis story and like an Ed Woodian style. I, I think I would much rather see like kind of a Mike Lee version of it, like oh, really? like, like Mr. Turner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds a little bit rough as far as uh, yeah. Jerry Lewis adaptation. I, I would go. love that. Yeah. So it would have to go in the. Or country. maybe like an Abel Ferrero one, like Pasolini. <laughs> as far as King of Comedy, you've actually said that it's your favorite Martin Scorsese picture. Yes. Why is that? Oh well, I mean, listen. Even beyond Jerry Lewis, the, the, like, these not... these judgments are incredibly subjective. No, of course. I mean, it's 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 one that just resonates with me personally for so many reasons. It combines so many things that I'm interested in, you mm-hmm. know, celebrity culture and and the art of comedy and uh, you know, I think it has Robert De Niro's best performance. Really, um, I think it's watching it again. It's a fascinating performance. Where looking at the Robert De Niro of today, it feels like that person could never give the performance that he gave in King of Comedy. Well, it's amazing. Like, it's a performance that's so smart about the craft of comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, when you see his his act at the end, to deliver an act that, that that's that close to being an, an actual funny comedy routine, but not quite, mm-hmm. but hits all the right notes. Like, he clearly really studied comedy. And one doesn't, you know, one never gets the sense of Robert De Niro just in his interviews and his other performances that he actually knows as much about comedy as he showed, you know, yeah. in that movie. So you see, like, he I'm learned gonna... all that and then just ejected it afterwards. He's like, I don't need to. I don't. This well, kind of stuff. I don't know what he did. I just uh, and you know, just the the way Rupert Pupkin acts in that movie in this kind of grandiose showbiz way. It's mm-hmm. a way that I don't think he's really brought to any of his other performances. 
Mm-hmm. And like Martin Scorsese, like you said, he's not that show-offy in the way that he directs mm-hmm. that film, which helps it resonate. Because if he did go into like after hours kind of craziness, I don't think the movie would work as well yeah. as it does. It's that kind of staticness gives it that uncomfortable feeling. Like Popkin is such an absurd like kind of showbiz creation. This guy who's modeled himself after TV mm-hmm. uh, and 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 kind of thinks that the the repartee on talk shows is how people actually talk. And have this kind of absurd creation in the middle of a movie that's otherwise very calm and static. Like if the movie if the movie were sort of hyperactive around him, it would be too much. Mm-hmm. The movie has to be like a foil to him. Yeah, I was actually surprised at how the uncomfortableness builds and builds and builds in the movie, and then it's almost the ending kind of rushes through it, and there's almost no speed bumps. Like. Rupert seems in control the entire film as it goes along. Like, well, he knows how this is going to end. This is what he wants to do. He knows he's going to go to jail. Yeah. And then the ending, which is, like, fact or fantasy, whichever way you I want think to it's try. fact. I, yeah. th- I think the pe- people say they think it's fantasy because, like, they, they want it to be fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why would it be fantasy? Like, there's no, um, there's no, there's no reason for it to be. I mean, the fact that Sandra Bernhardt is never mentioned in the in any of the news clips at the end. Do you find that a little bit weird, or? Uh, I mean, you know, I, it's a it's something that I've heard said for you know a reason why it might be fantasy. I don't think it's all that weird because it's not like she was on TV. Yeah, and I think that's probably uh, the most important thing yeah. is that he was on TV and people saw who he was. And the fact that the fantasy sequences get harder and harder to distinguish mm-hmm. as the movie goes on could could lend some But you could just be it. like the whole ending is a fantasy sequence. Yeah. Like there's a, I've read a lot of like articles that are like the fact that his name gets repeated over and over again at the end in the like the final monologue he does as the camera kind of pushes in. It's like I also I question like how long the Rupert Pup cult would actually go on Mm -hmm. after his arrest um but i don't know maybe it could go on but like you just look at people who are famous just for the sake of being famous today like do you feel that the movie has some impact in like today's day and age like does it still have the kind of same you know feeling with the internet and all that stuff uh i mean the movie sort of straddles different eras because rupert popkin is kind of like he seems to be modeling himself off the Bob Hope mm-hmm. kind of Jack Benny era of show business, but, but in like the less literal sense, like the celebrity obsession, yeah, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, in that way, the movie is very prescient. Mm-hmm. Um, Even today, like we can, you know, fans have to live through those things instead of just like it being a part of their life. And by I mean a part, I'm moving my hands for you podcast audience away as opposed to being something that they have to live with all the time. Because fandom now is something that you define yourself by. Like, yeah. I am a fan of Star Wars as opposed to being like, I like Star Wars. A yeah. lot of people who are super fans define themselves by those things, just like you define yourself by Jerry Lewis. <laughs> And yep. wasn't uh, we didn't mention Sandra Bernhardt at all during this podcast? Um, but didn't she have in King of Comedy? She, she and Jerry Lewis hated each other, didn't they? Yeah, which I think is like appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like they're such diametrically opposite schools of comedy. I mean, Jerry Lewis seems to be a well-known misogynist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Have, have, I believe he's quoted as saying, "Women aren't funny." Ugh. Uh, and uh, Judd Apatow famously won an award for—I don't remember what it was—but he something for like feminism or something like that, and he put it in the air. And he was like, "Take that, Jerry Lewis!" <laughs> it's like kicking like a he, 90- does, he doesn't care whose toes he steps on. <laughs> he's kicking the ninety-two-year-old when he was down. Yeah. I love those scenes between Jerry Lewis and Sandra Bernhard because to have someone like Jerry Lewis, who's by this stage, his career is a more is the establishment comedy mm-hmm. figure. And then to have Sandra Bernhard, who's this kind of weird, sexually ambiguous uh, downtown comedian. Yeah, it's such a weird contrast, especially that yeah. he's not even really reacting to it. He's yeah. kind of like stone face, duct tape to the chair. She's actually sort of like what Jerry Lewis was in the fifties. That's this, what I was gonna say. This real she's destabilizing like... figure who people who's kind of anarchic and who, you know, doesn't doesn't fit into our conventional notions of comedy. And you think he looks down on that? Like he can't take a step back and see because Jerry Lewis was famous for like walking into rooms like cutting ties and like spilling drinks on people and like mussing their hair. And then Sandra Bernhardt's doing that when he's like in his fifties. Yeah. And he's like, ugh, I hate her. I mean, listen, I don't want to say that Jerry Lewis might have a problem with women. (laughs) But I'm not saying that's not a factor. (laughs) This shit just got dark. (laughs) 
So of the Jerry Lewis movies you see, and like, mm. what has been your favorite? Probably The Nutty Professor. Sure. Just because, I mean, it's such an easy pick, because the, the contrast between him uh, being the professor and Buddy Love is so fascinating. But even then, it's still kind of that awkward filmmaking always makes me take a step back and be like, huh, like, that's a weird choice that he made there, or, you know, that cut doesn't quite work which is weird considering like the way he talks about filmmaking in his book the total filmmaker he really positions himself as like a perfectionist who like labors at the editing suite and makes sure everything is perfect yeah when you look at his movies and like there are so many just glaring flaws (laughs) yeah or Uh, just like mistakes where you're like what how did that get through but the mistakes are like so intense that you sometimes wonder if they're intentional (laughs) like like he, he almost creates a whole new film grammar in some of his self-directed <laughs> movies. Like cracking up? Yeah, like cracking up. Um, but as far as earlier films, or even Dean Martin and Jerry, because you didn't even mention any Dean Martin or Jerry Lewis films as your favorites. Is that because that's what you... You know, I think they work better in a live setting mm. uh, when you see them on the Colgate Comedy Hour. Like when, when they're kind of put into uh, just kind of a standard formula plot, like mm-hmm. a, a service comedy or something. It it dulls what made them special, which was kind of like the anarchic... That they uh, were quality. kind of coming in and kind of breaking apart. Yeah. But so, but a lot of those Dean and Jerry movies are like very watchable. Mm. I, Artists and Models is probably the best one just because it has all the weird Frank Tashlin touches. I was going to say that Jerry Lewis, when he did his stuff, was a real Hell's a Poppin'. And didn't he do a remake of Hell's a Poppin'? He did Hell's a Poppin'. I don't know if it was on Broadway or if it was bound for Broadway. I know that it was not very successful. Oh. Have uh, you seen the movie Hells of Poppin'? Like, the Olsen and Johnson movie? Yeah. I, I have not, no. That is probably the craziest like classic comedy film that I've ever seen. I would like to see it, yeah. So, as we're nearing the end, do you have any other thoughts on either Jerry Lewis cracking up and <laughs> The King of Comedy? Other than that, that they're all classics. I mean, I think I would just add that Jerry Lewis is a genius and that the the French were right. Uh, when did you believe that Jerry Lewis became a genius? Like, I think he was born into it, obviously. No, that you did. <laughs> that like you went, you know what, I'm obsessed with this person. I think it was probably when I, you know, I grew up with Jerry Lewis and then there was probably a fallow period when I only saw him once a year on the telethon. Yeah. But then when I was in first year university, I rented Hardly Working on VHS from Suspect Video. (laughs) It was Hardly Working that got you off? It was because I read uh, Roger Ebert's zero star review of it and I was like, oh man, I got to see this. And, And that movie, like... Words can't even do hardly working justice. Well, how does it compare to cracking up? I mean, it's it's a little less professional than <laughs> wow, really. They the cracking up is it's like shot on a on a really low budget on these kind of like depressing Florida locations, <laughs> uh, and and uh, it, it's kind of. Uh, cracking up takes place in Jerryland in this really kind of artificial movie like setting, mm-hmm. um, but hardly working. It, really just like looks like a sad old man like <laughs> in some florida exteriors trying so to be, like trying to be funny him trying to react in a real world doesn't really work when you don't have like giant king kong hands coming in yeah. people and yeah like i mean that. i mean it's debatable whether or not that works in cracking up <laughs> but i mean cracking up does have at least imagination behind it yeah and, and you know cracking up is like jerry's movies of the 60s is aiming at this kind of like highly artificial alternate reality mm-hmm. with a lot of bright primary colors and uh yeah just sort of a surreal dreamscape atmosphere uh, which, <laughs> that you don't understand yeah maybe you're not supposed to understand yeah and i feel like there's a cognitive dissonance in hardly working between kind of the the performance style and the style of comedy and the kind of bleak reality <laughs> of, of, of the settings um also there's a scene in hardly working that's a saturday night fever parody oh man where 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 it's like jerry in the white suit with the hair and there are no actual jokes in it it's just like <laughs> jerry trying to dance like john travolta and it's just really sad it's, it's yeah one of the darkest things i think i've ever seen <laughs> so who would you say today is the jerry lewis of our generation I think Jerry Lewis is still the Jerry, Jerry of our <laughs> generation. Dead. Like, yeah, like you can go see him at a state fair somewhere and, and you'll you'll have a good time. Filled with a room filled of grannies and like... And like, you know, downtown film programmers. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think Jerry Lewis could have a resurgence? Like Quentin Tarantino takes him for a movie and... Uh... I, I mean, at this stage, I don't... <laughs> I mean, he's a little old for that. Although I, he is in one of the upcoming Nicolas Cage films. Is he? He's in a movie that, with Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood coming out next year. I think it's called The Trust. 
And, you know, I actually have always thought that imagine uh, if Jerry Lewis played the Jack Nicholson role in The Departed. Yeah. I think he would have been amazing. Well, he did he really play scary. a lot of gangster roles later on in his career? Because didn't he do it on TV? Uh, I don't know. I, I think he, oh, he was on Wise, Wise Guy. And then he was in the movie Cookie with mm. Peter Falk, which I've never seen. Yeah, there's something kind of like gangsterish about him. Well, uh, he loved to talk about how he would have association with gangsters, didn't he? Two things he loved talking all, about: all those... how much sex he got, and how much <laughs> association almost to like distance himself from his personality on screen. You know, there's a there's a story that Jerry Lewis tells on like almost all of his interviews now, uh, where where he talks about his friendship with uh, John F. Kennedy. He says there's a rumor going around that John F. Kennedy, my friends was was stooping Marilyn Monroe. And I know that that's not true. That's malicious gossip. And I know that because I was making her. <laughs> wow. And he says that in interview after interview now, and it's like really unsettling. And I, I, I don't think anybody knows how to respond to that. Do you just picture that in your head when he says it? Well, I like to picture like old Jerry Lewis having sex with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> the corpse of Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> <or> like... No. <laughs> on your like young, some like it hot Marilyn yeah, Monroe? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he somehow went through a time Come to daddy. <laughs> I'm coming at you. We're cracking up. Well, I think probably the best final summation of Jerry Lewis is He's a the, genius. Is at the end of Cracking Up, he comes out of the movie theater. Oh man. And so Cracking Up ends with him leaving the movie that we just watched, but it's under its original original title, Smorgasbord. Right. So the joke already doesn't work. And then he and then he's he's there's a big audience lined up to see the movie, as of course there was in real life, wherever it shows. <laughs> Mostly on TV, where it was originally yeah. released. And uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe he's in France. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But but uh, the people in the in line uh, keep saying, "Oh, how was the movie? How was the movie?" And he says, "Oh, it was really good. It was." And then it fades out. <laughs> yeah. to, he starts talking about his movie, and it literally just fades out to credits and bloopers but i i love that jerry saw the movie that we were watching and then he came out and he was like oh yeah it's really good <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bit cocky to put that at the end of your movie but you know what if i mean he was right because <laughs> <as> we... <laughs> jerry lewis is a genius like you said yeah even if you're not really laughing well, it's like uh, what, what Jean-Luc Godard said when he was on the Dick Cavett show. Um, Dick Cavett asked him if he finds Jerry Lewis funny, and, and Godard said, oh, yes, he is funny. Uh, even when he is not funny, he is more funny. <laughs> and right. that's very much how I feel about him. <laughs> okay, well, my name is Justin McClue, and you've been listening to The Important Cinema Club, and I've been talking with... Will Sloan. Thanks for listening. Go watch those Jerry Lewis movies. <laughs> Don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> Please cut that out. I can't. Anyway. Uh, no, seriously, cut that out. <laughs>